Welcome back, everybody, to the CNC Replay. I'm Noelle. I'm Corey. And uh, before we get into everything, mm-hmm. um, I, I, before the NBA draft started tonight, um, I got my, uh, my Star Wars fix in. Have you watched the Kenobi series? I've seen the first episode, but I haven't had time to like sit down and watch the rest of it. I don't say anything because I'm so looking forward to it. Ewan McGregor is my favorite. Obi-Wan Kenobi is one of my favorite characters. The trio, the trio of Anakin, Obi-Wan, and Ahsoka is, like, my all-time grouping. So, like, I'm lit. Fair enough. Uh, then I will I will just share this with you. I just finished today. Mm-hmm. Um, the finale was probably the best Star Wars, like, finale for a series. Yeah. Outside of, like, outside of the animated ones, but, yeah. like, the live action, like, easily the best one. Yeah. It was... It was great. I'm... Like some rem, some remnants of uh, like episode three, like what made episode three great, mm-hmm. and why everyone loved episode three. You get in the middle of there, um, and then uh, the storylines were all wrapped up quite nicely. Good. I would say, good. But I'm excited. I there's been a lot of people giving it flack, and really? I'm like, why? I've only ever seen. Yeah. I've only seen good things, like on Twitter and stuff. I've only seen good things. I've seen like people are saying like, like I I would have thought a series called Kenobi would have been more about Kenobi, but it was not. And I was like, I, I feel like it was <laughs> mostly. So Kenobi embodies a lot of things, so I can imagine it not being just him suffering from his PTSD and fear. Correct. It's it's it is. It's quite good. Yeah. It's quite good. I would I would watch the final few episodes again. Okay. That's how good it is. So good to know. Um, but other than that, uh, outside of our like little like not sports related discussion, mm-hmm. uh, in in the uh, in the beginning of our episodes, um, we are changing it up tonight. <laughs> we are. We have to. We there's no way around it. We have to start with this because. Yeah, go for it. Just do it. Go. So, so everyone talks about how like the NBA is like this drama-filled league, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, this, that's just overrated prima donna stuff. Okay, but this is like theater. What happened tonight? So, so the NBA draft. We are like, we're recording live. We're like halfway. Or I think we're at the bottom third of the first round. Of, yeah, we're of the at NBA draft pick right now. Nine or pick twenty. The Spurs are on the clock. Okay, so. All this crazy stuff happened, and, like, things are happening as we're talking right now. And, like, before we jumped on to record, like, other things, like, de- details of trades that have already happened are now being released. Mm-hmm. Like, of players have already been notified, but, like, no details of those trades have been finalized. So it's just wild. Um, but we'll start from the top. Um, not a whole lot of surprises, really, from the first three picks. Mm-hmm. Um Outside of the fact that for like weeks everyone was expecting Jabari Smith uh, to be the number one overall pick, uh, but then he fell to three and swapped with Paul Bonchero from Duke, and then Chet Holmgren stayed at two with uh, to the Thunder. Um, so that's I guess you can say chalk. Um, and then the Kings at four. It, once you hear reports of like a play, like a team's GM or something about like an owner saying oh we love 
so-and-so and that player is going to be available that like it, it's you're dead in the water mm-hmm. like you can't make a trade you can't do any that's what kind of happened with the lions everyone was like they love jeff okuda they're going to draft jeff okuda and there's no there, there's no possibility of them drafting another player so no one's going to trade with them this is what happened with the kings the kings drafted keegan murray which i like i've we've talked about yep. how much i've liked him yep. as a player um but there were there was a better player on the board <laughs> yes Yes, and I haven't even, like, delved into what King's Twitter is currently doing, but I can't imagine it's a fun place to be at the moment. Now, the Kings fit a need. Right. They dra- they they drafted Keegan Murray. They needed a forward because yep. they had De'Aaron Fox, who is a quality, good, great player even. Um, and then they'll have Sabonis either uh, playing power forward or at, at the five. So, like, that makes sense for them. Um, but you could have traded down and got him. <laughs> Like you could have traded two picks down, get got another first round pick, and like because I would think that the Pacers would have made a deal in ten seconds to get the fourth overall pick, so that they could take Jaden Ivey. Because that's besides the point. Besides the point, Jaden Ivey fell to the Pistons. The Pistons took Jaden Ivey, and they were like, "This was our guy. This is who we wanted." Mm-hmm. And we've been talking about this for weeks. Yes, but it took a moment for that for the pick to come in because if that was the only thing that was going to happen you would assume it would happen in the first like minute of the clock right they have three minutes on to get their pick in we got down to the last seconds and the pick was in the clock ran out and we're all sitting here like what is happening and then we learned later (laughs) well it it, just a bunch of craziness but i do think that's an nba rule like to use all of the time it's not like an nfl thing is it because i feel like a couple of the other teams got their picks in at least you know a minute and a half i feel like most of the teams got their picks in and under a minute left oh technically speaking but uh the, the pistons got maybe the most uh athletically gifted player in the draft mm-hmm. um and they get to place him and play him alongside the consensus number one overall pick from last season who is now gaining some reputation around the league and even free agents are like i want to play with Cade cunningham Mm -hmm. and we'll get into that in a minute Mm -hmm. but we didn't even talk we completely skipped something else even before the draft the inevitable which we were all thinking our beloved jeremy grant was traded to the Portland Trailblazers for a 2025 first round pick, which mm-hmm. everybody was thinking like, Ooh, what the heck? That's not enough for that, that caliber of, yeah. of, of player. Yep. Um, um, so sorry. I'm news is still reeling in. in. You're good. Um, so everyone was already like, uh, everyone was already to, ready to say uh, Troy Weaver got fleeced, and he's not—he's not a great GM. And it's like it's so fickle. We can't—we can't do something like this because there was a plan. There was a plan <laughs> amongst the uh, on the horizon. Uh, the reason that they got the twenty-fifth or the twenty twenty-five pick was because Portland retained all of Jeremy Grant's salary, which was like twenty-four million dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, which was important for tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, so they get Jay Nivey, who they play alongside Kane Cunningham, and they can both kind of switch off being point guard because I know they Ivy played point. He wasn't a true point guard in college. Um, 
and then Cade can play point, and then you'll also have Killian Hayes in the rotation, but he'll be coming off the bench, which is probably the best role for him, mm-hmm. um, especially since he's still a incredibly young player. I think he's he's not even he's not even twenty one yet, is he? Oh gosh, uh, I don't think so. I think he turned twenty this year. Yeah. So, and he's more of the facilitator too. So I like I like that rotation that you'll have. Um, you have three guys who can play point, and then you. I think what Frank wasn't Frank Jackson running point a little bit too, and then they have Carson Edwards. What they just they just the, the Pistons are going to be fine. They're going to be fine, but they're going to be even better because you go later into the draft. There was rumors swirling that the Pistons were trying to trade up again into the first round to get my man <laughs> Jalen Duran from. Uh, Memphis, mm-hmm. and everything that I've been saying since we started talking about this draft, as soon... So this was what happened. The Hornets drafted him 13, no, 15th overall, something like that, I think, maybe. Uh, the Hornets got him at 13. Okay, so the, so the Hornets got him at 13. And this is where things get very interesting. <laughs> the Hornets get him at 13, and then you had the two NBA insiders saying that Jalen Duren has been traded to the Pistons, and Jalen Duren has been traded to the Knicks. How can that be? Well, they were both right. <laughs> this is how. So, the Hornets drafted Jalen Duren, which when he was drafted, everybody was saying, like, this guy is a man amongst boys an 18 year old who looks like he is a a, a greek god mm-hmm. and he is he is just rough tough athletic and just physical he's like i, I hate to say this because i love the guy but he is he is a uh vertically gifted beef stew as far as like <laughs> physicality but yes. even more athletic. Like, this guy is just jumping out of the gym. It, he he was unbelievable to watch in the All-American tournament um, this year before March Madness hit. And then he was great in the tournament as well. I mean, he he's a problem. He is a he is a, he is a uh, offensive mismatch against anybody. Or at least in college he was. Now, I mean, with everybody being an absolute behemoth in the NBA, that might be a little bit more difficult. Um, but... Holy smokes, you now have two very physical and gifted young centers to add to your to your very young core. Mm-hmm. Um, but how he got here was even crazier. So Hornets drafted him at 13th, and then the Hornets traded him to the Knicks, who then the Knicks traded Duran and Kemba Walker to the Pistons. Mm-hmm. Four... The 2025 first-round draft pick. <laughs> Which wasn't their own. That was the extra. We still have we, our first-round pick in 2025. Because there was speculation that Ivy was going to be a part of that deal. And everyone's like, well, why would on earth would they trade the fifth overall pick for a guy that they just for a guy that was drafted 13th overall? So that people were discussing, like, oh, is this future picks? Because the Knicks drafted a player at 11 who they didn't who is not on the roster and they flipped to Oklahoma City for future draft picks multiple future first round draft picks because Oklahoma City has like 27 I don't really know how many they have but they have more than 18 it's crazy um that's a lot but Duran Hornets Knicks Pistons 
Kemba Walker, Pistons. So we're like, oh, we have another point guard, but the Pistons are going to buy out Kemba Walker. <laughs> Which is why the cap space was needed mm-hmm. to be freed up so they could take on Kemba Walker's contract and then buy him out and then so on and so forth. So, Troy Weaver just got his top two draftable players on his draft board for Jeremy Grant and his own pick, mm-hmm. essentially. Mm-hmm. Every, everybody was ready to say, oh, Troy Weaver got fleeced, uh, and now everyone's like, holy smokes, Troy Weaver is an absolute gangster. And guess what? What? Guess what? What? Pistons GM Troy Weaver, after acquiring Memphis center Jalen Duran, I don't think we're done yet, but we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> what does that mean? It means it's going to be a late night for a lot of reporters. So, John Neo, he's a writer for the, the Free Press. So the Pistons essentially traded Jeremy Grant for the 13th pick, Jalen Duran, a 10-pick swap upgrade in the second round tonight, and Kemba Walker. So they traded up as well into the second round. Mm-hmm. The man so is Jeremy playing Grant, 3D chess, and everybody else is trying to play 2D on the same board. It's not working. And we we haven't even we, we haven't even discussed the potential possibility of of future players coming here. There was crazy rumors swirling today, and I I mean like just absolutely obscene and absurd rumors. There was talk that Kevin Durant could have ended up in Detroit. Mm-hmm. And because the Nets are ready to blow everything up. I, that's not going to happen. I, or, <laughs> you heard or it here first, ch- folks. <laughs> if, or if it does happen, I, I, I like, that's like. It'll be wild. That'll be. It, yeah, that'll be a lot. It, it would be. It would cost. E- I don't even want to know, and I don't even want to discuss because Kevin Durant is is such. But it would include if you if you want to keep your core guys, it would include at least Killian Hayes, Kelly Olynyk, which isn't even like a piece that anybody would want. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Isaiah Stewart, um, some other pieces, and multiple first round picks to get Kevin Durant here. Yep. And then you just have to fill your roster with like no name guys, which is not, not even on the t- Yeah, it's not what we're looking for at this point. That's not what we're looking for. No. But I I've been seeing things today that and we talked about this a couple weeks ago that DeAndre Ayton uh is pretty much a lock to come to Detroit. Yeah, it's it's and he, swirling nicely in and the rumor sphere. He, he would he would fill in he would he would fill mm-hmm. in your your center role mm-hmm. quite nicely, and then and then what do you do with uh, Isaiah Stewart and Durant? I guess Isaiah Stewart could move the power forward because mm-hmm. then you'd have to get rid of the possibilities. Are, and I I don't know what's going to happen. And by the time that this podcast is finished and edited and recorded, everything's going to be out of date. But I don't care. The Pistons have one draft night. Yeah. And when was the last time we were able to say that a, a Detroit team has won draft night? Couldn't tell you. Probably not in my lifetime. I, I don't think. I, even last year. I mean, the Pistons got Cunningham. Yeah. But, like, okay, yes, they won draft night. But that's you have to win draft night if you have the number one overall pick. 
Pistons, Pistons had the fifth overall. They fell in the draft lottery, and then they ended up trading uh, Jeremy Grant, who everyone thought they were going to trade, for an, another lottery pick, and they freed up cap space somehow. Mm-hmm. How does that happen? Troy Weaver, please take over the Detroit Tigers, please. <laughs> him and him and, and Steve should just like tag team. Like, okay, on the these weekends I have the Tigers, that those weekends you have the Tigers, I'll take them on Wednesdays. You know. Oh, Might it, work out better I, than what we got going on now. I, I have to I have to keep checking to see if I see if I miss something. Um Uh oh. Uh, see, this is what I hate. It's a, Rico Beard, do you know who that is? No. He's the 97-1, the ticket guy. Oh, okay. Yep. So, uh, well, it's actually funny, but um, <laughs> it says, Detroit GM power rankings. Number one, Troy Weaver. Number two, Steve Eisenman. Number three, Brad Holmes. Number four, Vacant. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. Um, but, I, I mean... I still don't want to dethrone Steve Eisenman solely for the, for no, the fact yeah, that it I'm, is. I'm horrified of him. And I, I don't want him to be upset. But um, it, it, it's... Wow. Wow. And I'm just, I'm just trying to scroll Twitter and, uh, and see if I missed anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think I have right now. But hey, something could explode. We'll get notifications. Noel. Yes, sir. Who were the who were the four players I talked about that I would have wanted on the Pistons? Uh you wanted Ivy. Okay. You wanted <laughs> you wanted Duran. You wouldn't have been mad at okay. Murray. I wouldn't have been mad at Murray. And I can't remember the last guy. And then Benedict Mandarin. Mandarin, yep. Yep. And we got two of those guys. Yeah. We got two of those guys somehow. I, I, I am, I am, I am thrilled. Mm-hmm. I am absolutely thrilled. And I, I want to tell you that the rest of the league was high on Manthrin as well because the the Pacers took Manthrin immediately after Pistons took Ivy. Yep. So it would have been, it would have been, I think, the same. Maybe I don't know, um, or maybe the Pistons would have taken Murray, which. Again, I would have liked personally because I watched him play, but still, that doesn't matter because that's all hypothetical now. Because two we're living years in, in a row, the good reality. This is this is we're the living good place. in the good. We're living in the good reality, and even the even Troy Weaver's first draft with uh, uh, who was their who was their first pick? Was it Hayes? It was Hayes Bay and mm-hmm. Lee. Yeah. Or yeah. no? Oh god. No, it was it it was Bay Stewart and Lee. That's what it was. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. Let me let me look back. Let me look back at this draft. Um, 2020 was wonky. Let's let's uh, Sadiq Bay uh, draft. Okay, so he was the 19th pick in the 2020 draft. So yes, you were right. So let's look at the 2020 NBA draft. It's Hayes. Uh, it's seven. Nets drafted Bay, but he was traded to the Pistons after first being dealt to the Clippers. He was drafted at 19. Okay. And then we get into the second round, and that's where Saban Lee gets drafted by the Jazz, then gets traded to the Pistons. 
Yeah. And then, where's uh, where's the where the heck is uh, Isaiah Stewart? Was he last year's draft? I think he was. Was he was he just before? last year's draft? There's no way he was just last year's draft. Oh, no. sorry, I missed him at 16. I skipped right over him. He he got drafted before Bay by the Trailblazers, who was traded to the Pistons after being dealt to the Rockets. So we did like so many trades <laughs> for for our current core. Wow, that's that's three trades. Let me see if I have that number right. Yeah, one for Saban Lee. One for Sadiq Bay, one for Isaiah Stewart. Yeah. Killian Hayes so was the that... only Piston in that draft that we flat out drafted. Right, and he might be the worst player in that draft. No, like, without... No shade. No shade. Um, but, for all intents and purposes, great draft. And that was Troy Weaver's first, I believe. I believe it was his first. So next year, you get Cunningham. You fall into that, great, and then you're flipping dudes. You're getting rid of the you're getting rid of the dead weight, and then this year he just masterfully pulls off just a a, a steal mm -hmm. of this draft. I mean, just everything that you needed the Pistons to do this off season, they did in this draft. Maybe not sign your center quite yet. But everything that you needed them to do on draft night, they did. Check. They got rid of the... And then They some. got rid of... Yes. They traded uh, Jeremy Grant for some value, which later turned out to be down the road. They got cap space, which they needed to sign a free agent mm -hmm. in the offseason. They got that check off the board. You got your number one uh, draft prospect, and then you traded up to get the number two draft prospect that you wanted. Wow, well done. It's and who knows? Maybe this could just be what good GMs do and this is just like <laughs> a new concept is, to us. Or this is just like this is an average night and then everyone's just like a general manager accomplishing <laughs> something? I, I I didn't know that could be done. Wow. I'm beside myself. I'm still checking Twitter to make sure we haven't missed anything. Me too. I feel like I'm very distracted just to, like, I just want to keep seeing what's happening. Jay Nivey tweeted 26, min mittens. 26 mi uh, minutes ago, Detroit basketball beyond excited to be a Piston. Um, and that's I'm another gonna, thing. You could just tell that he was so excited. Like, he had, his name hadn't fully exited the the whoever was doing the announcing his mouth yet and he was already with his head down like crying on the table like that's the kind of thing you want to see from a draft player not that i want everybody to be like sobbing on draft night because that's not a fun vibe and nobody likes to cry on camera but for a, a, a player to be that excited to be drafted and then be drafted by detroit is like so special it's a completely different reaction to Cade last year. Cade was super excited, and you could see that. But, like, yes. you could tell that this really meant something deep to Ivy in a different way. And I think that that's important, and I think that's really going to show in the yeah, coming that, season. That's... that's... 
and I'm totally I'm totally forgetting about Marvin Bagley as well. Like this this Pistons team is actually kind of deep now. Yeah. There are and they have there are like space. there's not any like glaringly obvious holes that I'm like that needs to be fixed or we're going to have issues. You know what I mean? <sighs> wow. Wow, 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 wow. Wow. That's all I, that's all I can say. That's literally all I can say. I don't I um, think that's all you all you should say. I don't know what else there is yeah. to say. Nailed and then it. the Ivy the Ivy emotional piece too. Uh his mom played for the Shock. Yep. Um for a little bit. It's more so an Indiana connection. Um his grandmother lives in Detroit. Mm-hmm. His grandfather played for the Lions. Um and I think his dad grew up in Detroit. I think that's what they I think that's what they were saying. We love a hometown hero. Uh, we love we 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 love embracing the city. <laughs> we love it. We, we have a brand. It. Detroit has a brand. Everyone knows it and we love it when people buy into it. It's uh, it's not unusual. It's um Are you ready to watch I, some Pistons I, basketball? I'm I'm I I'm excited to watch a team that is not lifeless and and, <laughs> and sad all the time. Ugh. Yeah, Just... well, unfortunately, you still have several months of the Tigers. Uh, don't, don't. We're on an emotional high. We can't, we can't do this already. No. <laughs> We're 25 minutes into the podcast. We have to get to them sometime. Uh, okay. <laughs> but, okay, there was, like, some small good things. Shut up. No, there wasn't. <laughs> yes, there was. Riley Green got his start this week. I mean, okay. Whatever. And did really well. Did... Robbie Grossman yeah, hit two homers. <sighs> the, the, <laughs> really, I'm trying to help do, you, dude. <laughs> do you want Do you want me to get into this? Yes, we host a sports podcast. I would like you to get into the sports thing we need to talk about. Okay, here's the deal. <laughs> I'll start with the good. Yeah. I, I'll, I will start with the good. Good. Okay. The there's three things, mm-hmm. okay. Riley Green coming onto the scene, I he has had a refreshing appro- re- approach at the plate. Mm-hmm. Like he's he has had more walks in f- six games than any Tigers like player has had like all season. Some crazy stat that I saw, or like he had. Like, there was a stretch where, like, the Tigers went, like, 200 at-bats and walked, like, twice or something like that. And then Riley Green comes in, and he, in six games, has, like, four or five walks. We had four in his first game, so. Did he? Yeah. That was a stat. It was, like, the first. Um... No, it had to been two. No, no way. I Hold on. Where did I see that? Was it in his first two games? Maybe that was it. It had to. It had to have been. Hold on, hold on, because this is gonna bother me. Da-da-da. It had to have been the first. Okay. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Sorry, I'm everyone. Holding. The internet is slow because there's a lot going on on my screen, and it, my computer is seven years old. So, wow, my computer I'm is holding. seven years old. That's a problem. Because that's when I got I got it my freshman year of college. So yikes! Okay, um, yikes! 
Okay, yeah, it was two in his first two games. That's my bad. Or two in each. So, like, he walked two in his his first game and then two in his second game. Yeah, so, so four two walks Saturday, and two, two Sunday. games. Yeah, four walks and two games. So that no Tiger has had that approach at the plate at all. And mm-hmm. my simple question is why? I don't have the answer for you. Why? You are literal butt cheeks at the plate. So take more pitches or don't be stupid and swing it at a slider 15 plate or 15 inches off the outside of the corner of the plate. Don't do that and get a walk and get on base. And you know what? You know what happened when Riley Green decided to take some walks? The offense immediately perked up. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, what they scored like 14 runs on that on, on his debut day. Mm-hmm. Something crazy like that. And, and then the next 13, day, but they, yeah. I lost count because I haven't seen the Tigers team score that many runs ever um, in my life. Um, and then the next day they score enough to win. What I think, I think it was like that's six. Why do I yeah, feel like six, it's six? Which, which is a lot for that team. Yeah, it is. Oh my goodness. Okay, but that was good. Riley Green has has, for lack of a better term. I, I just, I'm I'm frustrated. Noel's mad at me moving my hat around and everything. Um, I'm not mad at you. It was just for lack funny. of a better term, I am funny. I'm hilarious. Hoot and a half. Hoot and a half. For lack of a better term, he is completely, not completely, but he is he's changed something within this offense because now the Tigers can score more than a run a game, which is helpful. Which is helpful when you don't have a guaranteed out. <laughs> if you if you take a guaranteed out out of your lineup and put him put in somebody competitive, odds are you're gonna you're gonna see a perk in your offense. So okay, I won't I won't get into the that wasn't even the bad that I want to get into. So so, yay for Riley Green. Thank you for saving this offense somehow. Robbie Grossman just randomly decided, hey, I'm gonna hit a home run because I haven't hit one in a while. Um, he hit two. One from each side of the plate, which is like, hey, cool, do that more, please. Mm-hmm. And he's a guy that's been frustrating. Oh, I'm getting into the bat again. He's a guy that's been frustrating <laughs> because the reason that he was a solid player last year is because he walked. His on-base percentage mm-hmm. is also under 300. Mm-hmm. That's unacceptable. But the power, I guess, started to show up, and he's going to need to play a little bit better so we can dump him at the trade deadline for... Uh, a short, a seventeen-year-old Dominican shortstop who's going to be out of the game in two years, because that's that's what Alavila's specialty is. Um, whew, I'm not even, I'm not even mad yet, um, and I, I can't believe I'm saying this, um, but Javier Baez has been very good at the plate. Yeah, that's wild. Six games. I mean, it it is, but it isn't. It shouldn't be because. That's your that's your crown jewel, that's your, that is your number one free agent signing of the off season. So th- this is what he should be doing at the plate. Uh, and I want to find the uh, I want to find the Javier Baez stat. Um, hopefully I can uh, in a second here. Um, but he's like you. batting. He's batting like. 
Okay. Javier Baez, as this was yesterday, he has a seven-game hitting streak, and he's 10 for 25 with three doubles, a triple, and three home runs, and only two strikeouts during that during that span. Wow. So 10 for, 20, 10 for 25 uh, is a 400 batting average. I'll take it. Please. I will take it. Take it any day. I will take it. I will take it any day. And look what happens when you don't strike out 50% of the time. Mm-hmm. Some good things. Some good things can happen. Some good, thing, some, some good things happen. And, and this is the, I've been seeing a lot of dialogue with Cubs fans. When Javier Baez is on, that is when he becomes El Mago. Mm-hmm. The, that's when he becomes one of the most exciting players in baseball. But when he is off, it looks like he does not know how to play the game of baseball. And it even translated a little bit into his defense because there was a couple of plays um, in those games on Saturday and Sunday where Torkelson completely bailed him out. Mm-hmm. And Torkelson has been very, very good defensively at first base outside of those first few games um, where he had trouble with pop flies. Um, and uh, I'll, even, I'll even, you know, a bonus positive. Torkelson's begin to perk up at the plate a little bit as well and he and here's here's your uh here's your uh delaney disher trademark moment um a very a very bubby moment if you will um he said that he attributes that simply for riley green being on the team oh yeah i fully can imagine i mean they're like buds they're like good friends they're moving in together i think he 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 said torkelson said that was his best friend oh wait that's better i love that so he's been playing better. Baez has been playing better, um, and uh, Grossman did well. We had the we had the Riley Green call up. So those are all good things. We like that. Okay. Now before but you guess start, what? we are thirty four minutes into this podcast. I'm capping you at fifteen for the bad. We still have the okay. wings to talk about. <laughs> okay. Okay. You have fifteen okay. minutes. Okay. Go. Remember last last time that we talked and said they had a great opportunity to turn this season around? Yes. Okay. They get swept and play the most miserable baseball I have ever seen from a baseball team against Chicago for a three-game set. Yes. And somehow they hit rock bottom twice in that week. So they lose 13-0 to at home mm-hmm. on a series finale in a game that was like 6 million degrees. Okay, and they started some triple-A scrub in the midst of that. <laughs> and it was just a, just a disaster. They had a, they had a players-only meeting after the game. Mm-hmm. And everyone was like, this is weird. Like, the Tigers haven't opened it up to, to the media. Mm-hmm. Whatever, blah, 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 blah. And we're like, okay, good. This should light a fire under somebody. And... and the reports came out the next day from the players, Eric Haas, and we love Eric Haas, even though he hits barely 200 right now, um, was like, yeah, there was no finger pointing or anything. It was just like we were just real open and honest with each other. I feel like there there's finger pointing involved in being open, open and honest with each other. <laughs> yeah. Sentences usually are helpful in a podcast, dude. <laughs> He's trying so hard to form this sentence. <laughs> you just got 
absolutely smacked around for three games, mm-hmm. and you, and you lose thirteen to zero mm-hmm. at your home stadium, mm-hmm. and your 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 closed door player locker room meeting is is more closely related to a hand-holding kumbaya around the fire than a you guys stink. <laughs> uh-huh. You, you, you guys stink. And that rubs me the wrong way. Somebody's got to light a fire under somebody. Be like, we just lost 13 to nothing and we just got smacked around for three games we got to do something about this. <laughs> I think it, and again, it goes back to, because we, we've talked about this before, it goes back to the fact that there's not a, a leader in that locker room. Right? Like, I think that's what it boils, not the play, not anything else, but just the responsibility of that game and that moment with the players only thing. Like, that's what it boils down to, is there's nobody in that room saying, get your ish together, boys. You know, like there's nobody kicking cans, kicking trash cans across the locker room because that was effing embarrassing. Like nobody's doing that. <laughs> Did you like that? Did you is, like that? That is, was for you. Is, is that a letter, Kenny? Yes, it was. Reference? Yes, it was. Oh my goodness. Uh, like there needs to be that. There needs to be that. Um, so that was rock bottom, and that's what everybody was saying was rock bottom. And then they play Texas. Mm-hmm. And in the first game, Bo Brisky probably pitches the game of his life. Mm-hmm. one nothing game going into the ninth, and Gregory Soto just, just absolutely puts a nuclear bomb out there. And just... Because regardless of the run scored at that point it is what it is i can blame the offense i blame the offense and i think there's like a horribly damning stat that says that the tigers have been shut out in in 10 percent of their games thus far mm-hmm. no i don't like that in 10 percent, so 10 percent of their games are not only losses they are they are shutout losses so like not even close so mm-hmm. And I honestly, I think that number is low. I think they've been shut out in more games than that. We'll have to do the math I think afterwards. Of, I think they've been shut out in 10 games this year, and we've only played like 70. Oof. So crazy. Crazy stat. Absolutely bonkers. But at some point, you have a one-run That's a one-run lead in the ninth inning. You need to have your closer be tough as nails and lock that down. And they couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. So they lose that game. And then the next game may have been the worst game I've ever seen. Hilarious. Zero, zero competitive swings. Zero, zero base runners, it seemed. I don't even think the Tigers had a, a base runner past uh, second base all game. Mm. Against a pitcher who had a 4-5 ERA coming in. And then I also heard in the game... Uh, like you know, like the game, like the in between game, um, there was a guy who was who was brought up. Um, he he was brought up to do the thing, and it was like, oh, like which like, if you had to guess, like which Tigers, like which game system the most, which one would you pick? Would it be PC, PlayStation, blah blah blah, or none? 
And then the guy goes, well, I, I, I personally would pick PlayStation, but it should be none because these guys are playing horrible and they need to be focusing on the field. And they cut him off. Yikes. <laughs> I mean, and then he lost, shot, dude. And then he lost, and they're like, well, thanks for playing. And then they... <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, no. I, I, just, I, just, I just need everybody to understand the frustration with, with, with this team right now. Mm-hmm. Because it's getting to the fans as well. Yeah. Like, look, look, at, look at the, the, the attendance now. We're talking about all these record-breaking numbers that we had at the beginning of the year for Cabrera's thing, for opening day, all of this stuff. This stadium is is twenty five percent full, mm-hmm. if that. That should tell you something, management. That should tell you, and I haven't even. Whew. So they win the two games in Texas. Um, Scooball has thrown three bad starts in a row. I'm starting to get a little concerned, um, a little, um, because he was not sharp against Texas. He got lit up kind of, against Toronto, and then he gave up six runs in four innings against Boston. Um, so you get so this this was your last three series. Okay, so you get swept at home by the White Sox. You split with the Texas Rangers at home, and then you go to Boston and lose three straight games. So even with the offense beginning to score more than a run a game, you still went two and eight your last 10 games. It's just not going to get it done. It's not going to get it done. Last thing, I promise, this is my last thing too. Ken Rosenthal, uh, who former ESPN, whatever, MLB Network, blah, 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 now for The Athletic, he wrote an article about what went wrong with the Tigers' rebuild, and he just flamed Al Avila. In the, in, in the front office of the Detroit Tigers mm. and, like, all of their moves and all the mistakes that they did. Now, that's like, okay, yeah, no duh. Like, we all could see that. Ken Rosenthal does not write pieces like this. Mm-hmm. He does not go after MLB executives. He does not go after how teams are built. Not in this way. Everyone was calling it the Alavila hit piece. And it should be viewed at that. Because some of these moves that that we've seen that are embarrassing. Now the rest of the public knows like Ken Rosenthal was like, these moves are embarrassing. And now everyone else is going to see like, if Ken Rosenthal wrote about how embarrassing these moves are, these moves must be pretty embarrassing. Mm-hmm. So Chris Illich, I know you're not listening to this podcast because you don't care about Tigers fans because it's very obvious you don't, but for the love of the city of Detroit and the Detroit Tigers, Please do something. Get rid of this man. Turn this thing around. Please. Because you've done a great job of running this franchise on the ground for eight years because you've had somebody who is completely inept running your front office. Do something. Change something, and it starts with the executive team. you got to get rid of them. That's, I'm going to say this at the end of every podcast. you got to get rid of them. Wow, because now the national media is getting attention. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Nice job. Proud of you. Thank, thank you. <sighs> Unreal. Would you like to move on to something happy, or you still want to talk about this for a couple more minutes? No, I, I, I'm done. I'm done. Hopefully, they can win some games this weekend. And... 
play like they played last year, but I don't mm-hmm. know. Yes. Well, to get Corey out of his slump, let's talk about something happy. Um, the folks who were doubtful in the beginning on draft day, 2019. Yes. How does it feel to be proven wrong? To be proven wrong and to be recognized as proven wrong. I'm not saying I'm not in that category because I'm going to be honest. We had no idea who Mo Sider was in the beginning. Uh, no, nobody none did. Of none of us had any idea. And we were all just kind of like, uh, what? Except Steve Eiserman And Steve Eiserman knows <laughs> <laughs> Yes, he does. Uh, we have official confirmation as of yesterday that Mo Sider is indeed a Calder Trophy winner. Um he is the, the first Red Wing in like fifty seven years. Yeah, or first like that. Red Wing in fifty something years to win said trophy. Uh he beat out Trevor Zegris and Bunting and Lucas Raymond. Uh and I think the final tally was I think out of hundred and ninety votes, Mo got hundred and seventy for first place. Um mm. it was something like the count was crazy. Let me go. Oh, find okay. It. Maybe that does make sense. He had a considerable lead in total points. He had an eight hundred point lead. Um, so he he won. He won that award by a considerable margin. Yeah. Let me go. Um, I did. Maybe you. Text yeah, you I guys. think you are right. I'm. I sometimes am. I don't just like say things. Oh, I. I think you're very knowledgeable. I just. I. It just that number seems like really yeah okay so staggering out of 190 math i can't add things math is not my strong suit uh 195 195 votes total he had 100 in the first call and points was at 1853 if that's what you're talking about he had 1853 points votes for first was 170, second 18, third he had three, and then I just need to talk to the people who had him in four. There were four of you. <laughs> I don't where who. Ah. It's the it's the Quebec writers. Ah, yeah, I don't yeah, know. Yeah. Um, Something silly. Zegras's points were at <laughs> the jump down is crazy. Uh, he had 1191 points. So 1,191 compared to 1,853. Mm-hmm. 15 for first, 100 for second, 57 for third, 18 for fourth, and 2 for fifth. Bunting came in next at 80, 877 points, and Raymond actually got fourth with 499. Yeah. So. I, I, I did see something, too, that the Red Wings were the only team to have three uh, three rookies mm-hmm. receiving Calder votes. Yep. <laughs> and, like, I saw... It was like Nadalkovich got one fifth he place did. vote. <laughs> Just to throw him in there. That's that's kind of funny. Just but, to give him that um, little boost, yeah. And, you know, everything about the acceptance speech, everything about that moment in... in NHL history was as perfect as you would want it to be. Uh, Mo got up to the stand and accepted it accepted the award graciously also going yeah i didn't prepare a speech so we're just gonna wing this and then continue to drag his parents for not showing up to awards night because they just got back from vacation (laughs) i there is something about this team that i even if 
Like, I will be very, very disappointed next year if we're not better than we were this year. We will be better. Right. But even if we're at the same level, like, if somehow something happens where we do not improve at all, I'm not going to be mad. Because this team, there is something about these players that I'm just like, these kids, they're my boys, and anything they do is good. We love it. We do. We love it. And deserving, deservedly so, too. Like, he was... Cider was getting consideration for being a top defenseman in mm-hmm. the league, not not just even a top rookie. Which now, I was surprised he saying... didn't get any he didn't get any Norris votes. Really? Yeah. Shocked. Hmm. Very shocked. That's a little, that's a little interesting. Well, maybe maybe not, but like I feel like no one was going to throw him a, a Nadalkovich fifth place vote. Right. That's like, what that's, I'm saying. Like nobody, I, none of us were expecting him to win it. Right, Kale McCarr is right there. I don't actually know who won uh, the who won the Norris. Do we know? Kale, Kale, Kale I was McCarr say, won. Yeah, like he's been he's been the complete package this year. Yeah, both as an offensive and defensive threat. Yeah, so like totally fine, understandable, um, but like nobody could have tossed him like two votes. I don't know. Anyways, but yeah, and then Larkin and Steve flew down to surprise him at the awards ceremony. Like that's precious. How cute is that? Yeah. And then we also need to get into that thank you or into that congrats Mo video because one, it was very cute. Joe uh, Joe Valeno basically gave a TED talk on how proud he was of Mo. It was very adorable. I'm. They might be in love. Who knows? Um, Could be. Second, there were some surprise thank yous on there, and I know that Chris got his tinfoil hat out for two of them. So <laughs> I don't know if we want to talk about that or even mention it. Was well, the is Sergey Fedorov and uh, Dominic Hasek. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hasek isn't going. Hasek is going to. He's like a Czech Republican like politician. I know. I know he's not going anywhere. But it was just funny to see people go. Him, of all the people. <laughs> okay. Yeah. You you don't you don't go from being a politician in your home country to then being a head coach. <laughs> no, I don't think he's going to be head. That's not. It wasn't even on my radar. It was just kind of funny that he was the person that they reached out to to give like a I don't know if they have a did him and Mo have connections I don't know you would have imagined it would have been like Cronwall or Lidstrom people he's actually been like yeah. on ice with I don't know yeah but I it I think it's just the collection of like the the Red Wings family uh yeah I whoever. mean it's fun it's cute again we love our hometown heroes can't get rid of them yeah we love we love to see it um and deserve, deservedly so mm-hmm. for Mo. Mm-hmm. I mean, there there isn't much to talk about because it's like there would be more to talk about if he didn't win the award. Yeah, because like it, there'd be more by rage. the end of the year. By the end of the year, everyone was like, "This this kid is is a freak." Yeah, and and we need to we need to give him this award. Otherwise, there will be there will be blood. Um, <laughs> yes, I did want to mention. Mm-hmm. Um, all of the coaching hires yes. that have been happening. Yes. Many names have been now announced with teams. So that means that there are less teams that have vacancies, which means that there is a smaller pool of coaches to pick from. Um, if we're sticking with the same 40 coaches that rotate. <laughs> which it seems like the NHL does, because what the heck happened in Florida? Mass chaos. 
I don't know what's Paul going Maurice, on down there. Paul Maurice got hired, mm-hmm. and who who couldn't do a great job in Winnipeg and couldn't get over the hump there. And now he's going to Florida who couldn't get over the hump in the first round. But I, I didn't know this. And I guess I kind of forgot. Andrew Burnett um, was the Florida coach and he is a Jack Adams finalist. And he was an interim coach mm-hmm. because the Quenville stuff happened at the beginning of this year. Yes. Which seems like ages ago. I was going to say, um, Quenville only got like 10, 15 games in maybe before yeah, everything that exploded. Was like, that was like literally thirty years ago. I it seems, just, yeah. but but we don't have to get into that. But now this guy's name is out there, mm-hmm. and I mean he had a stacked roster, but also with the uncertainty at the beginning of the season, you had to weather the storm, and then he won a President's Trophy. So, uh, got to have some consideration there. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't think you beat out the Tampa Bays, the Carolina Hurricanes, the, heck, you could even say the Boston Bruins, if you can't coach, at least a little. Yeah. You have to be able to form you don't some have... semblance of a team for that. Yes. And this this could be another uh, um, Dwayne Casey and the Toronto Raptors situation where he got fired while also being the NBA's best coach <laughs> during that season. Mm-hmm. And then he was the head, he accepted the award while he was the head coach of the Pistons on behalf of the Raptors. <laughs> that, I could see that happening. Mm-hmm. Um, or or did the Jack Adams already get announced? I don't know. Because it's the I best have that no got idea. announced. Let's, let's, I want to look. Because um, I could just totally eat my words. Um Uh, award. Oh, Daryl Sutter won it. Okay. So that that makes sense. So he was a finalist. So whatever. Odds are the guy can coach. Um, but Barry Trotz is still out there. Mm-hmm. Andrew Burnett's now available. There's some good options, and then now there's even more steam gaining for this Tampa Bay assistant. Um. We will have our pick of the litter, um, and I'm sure once our head coach is announced that everyone's going to be like, huh? Like, I was not expecting that. Um, but more interesting developments mm-hmm. in that department, I would say. But I got no other comment other than that. Definitely, definitely. Do we have anything for the Lions? I feel like it's been quiet. I mean, they had minicamp last week, right? Uh, I don't, I don't know of anything. Okay. Um, I haven't seen, I haven't seen much of anything. Uh, there's excitement around Jared Goff. Kinda. <laughs> I think. Big asterisk next to that. <laughs> I mean, so, I mean, like, at least, like, the team is supporting the guy. Um, and I, I would like to say that our wide receiver room from last year when we were like, okay, this is definitely a weakness. Now look at this wide receiving room now. Mm-hmm. I just saw a depth chart and Quintez Cephas, who I think is fairly underrated. I've talked about him a little bit. Yep. Um, he's your, he, he's your lowest rated receiver on your, on your depth chart. Technically speaking. Good with that. I'm cool with that. So now you actually have some established weapons. You have Hawkinson coming back. Maybe you can get, no, I'm not going to say it. Don't. Nope. 
no, do not. No, stop there. Goff is a Goff is a serviceable quarterback, and that'll be fine. I'm going to be excited for Aiden Hutchinson. That's all you need. That's all you got. That's all, That's all I all need. need. I'm going to be. I want to be excited for like seven wins. Still feels like a lot. <laughs> That still feels like a lot. <laughs> feels like a lot. It really does. I'm aiming for like three. No, they're gonna mm, get more. Than I don't three. know. We didn't think they would be one and one, whatever, zero one and one. Five to seven wins. Okay. We'll get four. Five. We'll compromise five, at four. Ugh. Yikes, bro! <laughs> you gotta have you gotta have improvement from last year. They had three, or they have two wins. No, they have three. They tied. They didn't have three wins. Did they have three yeah, wins? Like, flat-out wins? Yeah. Minnesota, Arizona, and then they beat Packers week... Oh, that's right. Last week of the season. I'm you the gotta crazy have one. more. Okay. No, we're fine. Yeah. Five to seven is, you is, gotta have is more. very doable. You gotta have more. Now I'm... I definitely that's thought doable. we only had two and then the, and then the tie. The Never goal mind. should be a winning record, but we want... We're gonna settle for doable. <laughs> yeah. Yes. We will take bare minimum, thank you. Golly, man. Here's a question. Wow, this... Given where you're at mentally right now, do you have more hope in the Lions or the Tigers? I can't believe you asked me that question. Because <laughs> one answer feels how... like a jinx, and the other answer feels like a lie. So I want you to just... <laughs> This is this is how bad it's gotten. Mm-hmm. Truly, truly, this is how bad it's gotten. Because I know the answer. I think I have more hope. I have more hope for the Lions. Yeah, yep. That's what I thought you were gonna say. This is this is how horrible it's gotten. Not after tonight. I have the most hope of the Pistons because oh, about a hundred percent. But uh, until Alavila is gone. I will I can't I can't have hope in this team. Is there a GM out there that you're interested in or that you've seen that you want? I want Theo Epstein. I have no idea who that is. Theo Epstein broke the curse of the Bambino. Okay. The O four Red Sox, O seven Red Sox. Then he went to the Chicago Cubs and broke the hundred year curse with them. If there is any man in baseball that can fix a World Series drought, it is that man. You okay. give him a blank. Chris Illich won't because he's a cheap loser. Um, but he's not listening to my po- this I podcast. I know he's anyway. not, but okay. with and with if he Chris's does, luck, I hope no. Hold on, with our Chris's luck, Chris Groan's luck, you'll end up meeting him somehow. Good. I hope so. I can. I want to be like you. Do realize that this this person that you put in charge of this team is a laughing stock to the national media. Because it's not, it, it wouldn't, it wouldn't mean anything coming from me. Why are we talking about the Tigers again? <laughs> I asked the question. It's me. my fault. Sorry. It, it, it wouldn't mean anything coming from me because I'm just some bloke who lives in Indianapolis who likes baseball a lot. Um, but the fact that now the national media in baseball is making fun of your general manager, that should tell you something. Yep. Because he's had this job for a significant period of time. And he has nothing to show for it. You, if you... If you are truly, truly, truly concerned about winning, you go find Theo Epstein, call him up, and say, what do you want to come be the general manager of the Detroit Tigers? I will give you a blank check. 
that if if you are going to give any executive a blank check, you give the guy who broke two of the longest World Series droughts in the history of baseball. You go find that guy, you give him a blank check, and you make him the general manager of your team. I think that's a great plan. Now we just got to figure out a way to do an inception on Chris Illich and make it think make him think it was his idea. Does does Al have any like does Al have a Twitter? Probably not. Does he have any, does he have any mean tweets from like 2004? <laughs> you want to expose some stuff? Yeah, okay. I do. We can do some digging. I don't know what we're going to find, but it, I'm sure that maybe I have something in my Twitter that probably would be like, "Hey, don't say that." I'd be like, "Okay, yeah. I won't." My Twitter started. I think I checked. Go. I I think I checked one time, and I'm like, "Oh, this is just me being stupid. I didn't say anything dumb." (laughs) Vaguely offensive. I did say things dumb. I didn't say. At least I don't think. (laughs) Or if I'm like, "Oh, (laughs) oh, that's Hmm. that's yeah." Yikes. But no, I'm not. I wasn't dumb enough to to post things that would be offensive. Or think things that would be offensive to people. Yeah. That's not what the internet is for, you know? And all of these athletes are learning it the hard way. Yeah. Just say nice things. Be a nice person. Mm -hmm. Just say some nice things. And if you said some stupid things, apologize for that. And then move on. Yeah. Yep. Fire Avila. Hashtag. There it is, folks. Joel's... Joel Zamaya is on that bandwagon. He starts making t-shirts now. It says Fire Avila with like a cartoon tiger on it. Do you want one? And he one? did a whole Facebook post. Yeah, I do. Okay. I'd wear one. Alrighty, folks. That's where we're going to end it. Thank you for coming along on this roller coaster of emotions. Um, I think the draft is still happening, so we're going to finish is. watching that, finish uh, gathering that information. Uh, we would love if you would share this with a friend, tell your family. I'm sure your grandmother would love to hear our voices. Um, we thrive off of uh, reviews. We would really appreciate it if you did that as well. Also, follow us on our socials at CNC Sports Pod on Instagram and Twitter. Um, and as for us, we will say good night and have a great rest of your week. We'll see you next week. Sleep tight. Hey everybody, this is Noelle. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the CNC Replay. Please subscribe and rate us five stars as it really helps us out. And give us a follow on Instagram and Twitter at CNC Sports Pod. We'll see you next week.